You're listening to Frankly Earnest. Hosted by Sam Christie. Co-host and producer, Allie Hall. Welcome. So I'd better, I know I'm lighting it with this because I can't find my lighter. Um, <laughs> we're smoking today. It's a hard day. Yeah. 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 This doing a, doing a podcast <coughs> um, about, I mean, it's just hard. And, you know, I guess it's hard to talk about my trauma, but then again, mm-hmm. you know, I get doing the podcast and the stress of that. And I forget all about my trauma. You know, I'm <laughs> telling these stories because they kind of think of them. But there's so much to try to think of and include. And then, of course, we have a little bit of podcast drama this, this week. And I don't really want to, I don't want to target anybody or make anybody feel bad for what, what they did. But we, we did have someone kind of pretend to be somebody that they weren't. And it was a little confusing for us. Um, I'm not even, I'm not even sure if, you know, if you want to say more about that, but I mean, I mean, I just, people reach out to us and anybody who reaches out to us, like, we're so happy to hear from you and it doesn't yeah. matter, you know, who you are, what you're dealing with. Um, yeah. you know, cause we're, first of all, we're at a distance. It's easier this way. I, I have the saying that everyone is lovable from the right distance. So if you're, you're already out there on the internet, you're just a person we don't know and you're writing to us. Um, even if you're writing crazy stuff, I, you know, it's, it's, it, we want to hear what you, how you feel and what your reaction is. And, you know, we want to get a whole picture of, of, um, what it's like to, um, to hear this story, um, and how this story makes you feel. Um, my dad, my mom, Sandy, all the abuse, all the intersectionality, Um, we've talked about a lot of things on this, on this podcast way outside of, you know, I, I want to, for me, that's my idea, you know, selfishly, I want the healing of seeing how my story is a human story and, and in telling, in telling it, I want to learn, you know, really drive into my brain and, and maybe help, help other people see that we are all in the same boat more than we realize. Um, man yeah Ali, did you ever um did you ever like as a kid like pull off a big lie like I find have. yourself way deep in it yeah and you've just got to keep going yeah but you know the thing for me i think that and i'm struggling with a lot in life is responsibility about it mm-hmm. and i think i'm now especially with this situation like just accepting delusion maybe i don't know yeah yeah. But like in the instance where I lied when I was a kid, I it came to a point where I had to own up to it. Yeah. So I feel like that's lacking, but that's fine. I oh, have yeah. a big a big space in my chest for the Christies, except Ernie, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple um, of us that are all right. There's a couple that are all right. And I just don't like seeing anyone hurt you. It's... Right. I hear you. I hear you. 
I hear you. Well, Allie, I appreciate that that uh, you love me and and show it with all this hard work. And I I love you too and appreciate you too. And um, you know, an exciting bit for listeners. And and have we talked about SUNY the the talk at SUNY Cortland yet on the mm-hmm. podcast? Should we? No, should no. we? Now's the time. Now's the time. So, oh my God, I'm so excited. Um, I'm going up to, um, and I should bill this as a chance for me to introduce my my son to Allie. I've joked that I want to be a matchmaker. And um, <laughs> and so my oldest son, he's 26, and he's interested in coming up with me. So we're, we're taking a trip up to New York to, to meet Allie. I've never met Allie face-to-face. I'm yep. so excited, Allie, to come meet you face-to-face and see Cortland, New York. This is where Allie goes to school at a, a little college called SUNY Cortland. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get an opportunity to speak there at a really powerful event. I'm super excited I, for, about the event and for the opportunity to speak. So this is, um, and just, you know, 10% of that is, woo, I get to kind of try to, you know, nudge my my son and Allie together. Not that that would be a good idea. I'm just, you know, they're just both so cute. And so I love Allie. She's like one of my kids. And, um, or, you know. And now you want your kids to date? Ew, what? No. Oh, God. (laughs) Never mind. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think this through. Cancel. Oh, my God. I hope he can cancel his flight. No, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a great time. We're going to have a good time. And we're excited because it's going to be a really good event to do what we do here. Work on mental health share story yeah, yeah. Forward, you know take some toxic toxic take some toxic masculinity out of the world right right just you shine know? a light you know there's something about just shining a light on things and uh you know i as an atheist and who bashes religion on this on this podcast i do not want to give people the wrong idea but there is this cool passage in in the Bible that has been taken out of context by so many Christians my whole life. And it's, it's John three sixteen. Oh, they, they say for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And they stop right there. And, and for a bunch of people who are always whining about me taking shit out of context, this one really burns me because yeah. they make that verse about, Oh, God sent Jesus to die for our sins, to cover, you know, to to forgive us. And all of that is just doctrine that they're sticking on this passage. Jesus doesn't say anything of the fucking kind. Like if you read verse 17, 18, and I know people get tired after reading too much, but 19 through 26 even is really inspiring. And I want to make the case later, you know, when we get bored and we have a whole hour to talk about religion or a Bible verse. <laughs> but I want to make the case later that that whole passage, and this is it, I'm not going to preach on it, I'm just making one statement. That whole passage is Jesus telling us that as long as we think we're evil, as long as we hide things because we think we're evil or we hide because of our shame or our guilt or our fear, then we can't come into the light. But once we come into the light, then everybody can see and understand what we've done. And there's no condemnation. Like that's, if, if John 3.16, when, when it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, it means 
that God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to tell us that we don't have to be condemned. We can just be honest. And, and it'll be okay if we do. And there's no condemnation from God or there's no condemnation in our hearts. And he explains in that passage how the condemnation happens in the heart of the human where we're in the dark. We haven't talked about our shit. We're afraid to because we're afraid of the condemnation. So we're stuck in that condemnation ahead of time. And that's why I asked you that poignant question um, of, you know, have you ever had a, as a kid, like a lie that you got stuck in that you really had to follow through with. I was in fifth grade and there was this girl, Kim, and I was afraid to talk to her. So one day in the lunch line, we were right up to the, the stacks of cartons of milk. And, uh, and she spoke to me, asked me if I was going to get a milk. And I didn't, I, this was my chance to talk to her. So I said, um, no, no, I'm allergic to milk. I was not allergic to milk. I loved milk. But for the rest of the school year, Every time I'd go to grab a milk, Kim would be like, wait, aren't you allergic to milk? And I just put it back. I went without milk the rest of the year to not have to admit that I had lied because <laughs> I didn't know why I lied. I just said something. But the, the whole thing Jesus is trying to point out is that if I'm in my head in the dark and I don't tell my stories, I'm stuck in there with that shit. And I'm stuck in there with that fear and shame about what anybody else would think. And the power of telling these stories is is freeing uh from that there really is no condemnation yeah there's the you know the occasional weirdo that comes along you know but even even the crazy ones are pretty good fans and um our listeners call themselves addicts the ones who've written to us uh, you know if you consider yourself addicted to the podcast we would love to hear from you there are treatment options available short episodes coming up maybe some other topics <laughs> you know we have a we have a whole we should have a whole series for trying to deep oh I'll stop. No, that was just so funny. We should have a whole series though on debunking the your addiction or you know, dialing down your addiction to the frankly earnest podcast. That that sounds fair. Do you suffer dialing. do you or a loved one suffer from frankly earnest podcast addiction? There's hope There's for you. To treat you. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm. I'm really proud of what we're doing here. I know today's today's kind of like a wrap up episode. I know we talked about kind of talking about what we talked about, how we feel, you know? Yeah. yeah. I was reflecting on it and I was just thinking about how much we how much I was able to talk about here too. Like I didn't think I was even gonna right. be able to teach about intersections and churches. Like that was so cool. That was awesome. Yeah. And to be able to connect Shirley Chisholm, your dad, and say, your dad is part of the reason this woman was put behind in life, the reason that Claire was put behind in life, mm -hmm. and women from me to Claire to Shirley. Yeah, we're all in the same, we're all in the same ocean, you know. And um, same ocean. You know. See, Catherine, Catherine Bonafide, she's Bonafide. Why do I do that to you? I love you. I'm sorry. Do what? I thought she pronounced it bonafide, and I wanted to say bonafide, it's but bonafide. she kept she kept correcting bonafide. Bonafide. It's, it's bonafide, right? Bonafide. Bonafide. What a cool name! I can't imagine being having the last name bonafide and being able to put doctor in the front of it. Like that is just the most right? badass name. <laughs> well, she's she's gonna chuckle at us because you just said we're all in the same ocean. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> is that one of her things? Does she understand that idea? No. Well, because she always she thinks that it refers back when we say when we talk about your mom, like how I said, does it did it sink in? And I didn't. Oh, I didn't realize oh. it was making a pun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, about yeah. I what remember we were that now. About. Oh, so now we're God, in the same motion. So it's it's just better to make jokes about it, you know. Like it's bad. Um, it's yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry to get you off track. I was just thinking. <laughs> I was as we as we as we say things. Sometimes I'm like, oh my god! Like now that we've interviewed people and stuff, and they tell us how they listen to it, I'm just like, oh my god, this person's gonna hear this. It's so funny. I I do weird stuff, you know. Like I have over on occasions over the years. If I was you know eating some seafood, just looked at the plate. If I had people's attention and just for effect said. I wonder if a little bit of my mom is in this fish and and people, and I get those faces, right. Um, And I, you know, now I know I'm just neurodivergent, so I don't have to know how to, you know, interact with people properly. (laughs) But I say shit like that, like, Oh my God, I've, I've been at church and just dropped a bomb. Like, Oh yeah. You know, I had, my dad made me kill the cat once, you know, and you can't say that at Sunday school, you know, you can't just throw that out yet. You know, people are like, what the fuck? Mm. Anyway. And now the listeners are like, wait, what the fuck? Fun to watch you run. Yes. You know, you, you know, you need to keep the ability to be able to run. Yes. Don't give it up. You find that you're right on the cusp of of not running's not real easy to do. I'm not saying run a mile; that's ridiculous. But every once in a while, it's good to make sure. You know, could I outrun um, a crazy person for you know ten seconds or fifteen seconds? Zombie apocalypse. Zombie apocalypse. You know, if you've never tested, can I run from the street into a building without collapsing? Then you know don't think you can make it to the top floor like in, you know, in The Walking Dead. You might, you know, (laughs) might need to barricade yourself up. Um, I think I have, like, I don't do any aerobic exercise. So really, I only have about 30 seconds to a minute of maximum exertion. And and then I have to stop and start breathing. I can't keep going anymore. And I, I stopped running. I have a bicycle. I'm thinking about riding a bicycle. It was sad because I was going up the stairs the other day and my watch thought I was Mm -hmm. exercising. (laughs) Your your watch is like, take it easy on those stairs. I need to get on your level. I can't even think about bicycling. I'm like, (laughs) these lungs. Oh, man. Maybe we should have. If, if gas wasn't so expensive, it would have been more expensive to drive up to Syracuse. You know. You want me to bike up to Syracuse? Is that what no, you're no, drive. It would. I'm saying we're flying up. I had a lot of thoughts just now. Like, okay, so my my kids all ride unicycles, and they're all in pretty good shape because um, they can still ride a unicycle. I think oh, so there's it's like a advertising Josh's fitness to me now. <laughs> No, I don't mean to do that. I was thinking, I think oh, about my it kids, in- especially Josh, are super fit because they ride. Oh, he's, you know, he's, he's all right. He's in pretty good shape. <laughs> anyway. 
definitely better cardiovascular condition. And I've been thinking I need to get out and ride my bike, right? Because of this, every time I, every time he talks about the unicycle, um, or how far he went, I think, oh my God, I haven't even, I got the bike sitting in the living room. I had, I went, took it to a shop. It's a used, uh, stainless steel, uh, road bike from the seventies. It's a Japanese model. The whole frame is stainless steel. It's kind of a kind of a classy looking bike. It's a little heavier than today's bikes, but you know it it moves pretty smooth. It's got great geometry, and uh, I picked it up from from an avid cyclist who uh, was at reached the point in his life where he couldn't really get out of his chair much, um, so he didn't bike anymore. And um, so the bike I passed it on to one of my kids, and then I got it back, and it's just sitting in the living room. It's been sitting there for a year and a half. And I have not taken a ride. I was going to take a ride. And Sammy said, well, I need you to buy a helmet. Sammy, my, my lovely girlfriend of like five years, I might as well call her my wife. Why don't you put a ring on it? Oh, well, because I'm kind of just um, um, philosophically, morally opposed to the idea of, of upholding marriage and the nuclear family as, yeah. as good values. I'm not sure. I don't know that it's realistic. Like, um, okay. you know. Um, like Sammy, Sammy and I have a a great relationship where we get along well, we're able to keep, um, we're able to express conflict and work through things without getting too, too amped up. And, um, and we're just, you know, both working, we're good companions, we're good partners. And, um, I don't know the, you is know. it about finding somebody who, like, you just are comfortable with that, with for that? Because, like, you know, you know how I'm young and I'm like thinking about all these things and contemplating what life is and what yeah. love is, etc. And like, I was, I was thinking about that like a couple weeks ago. I was like, is marriage like just this thing that we all have to do, and like that's when you're officially each other's? <coughs> I, I feel like I would aspire to do that, what you and Sammy have, but I have so much insecurity maybe within myself and within men that I don't I don't know. I don't know. It's so difficult. Okay. I love, so I love the ideas that like I just I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm just you know, I'm a yeah, okay. I'm I'm I hear you. Yeah. How do you find that? <laughs> well, there is that, you know, there is this big cultural push yeah. to 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 view uh, marriage as the ultimate goal. In fact, they even infiltrated politics and forced abstinence only education onto kids, okay. pretending as <laughs> if, it, you know, it, in this century, like we just, you know, we've got these kids now. And, you know, yeah. and oh my God, I hear these conservative adults like, oh, this generation, blah, 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 fuck you. Come on, man. Look, you <laughs> pushed on these kids this idea. And I'm kind of um, of this abstinence only. And, and for, behind that is the, you know, the God who created you wants you to just have this one person and, and never, ever talk about it or touch it or, you know, I mean, you know, and they all, you know, then they come rushing out of the woodwork. Like, oh, we don't all believe exactly that, man. Just, I just fuck all of it. I feel like reinforcing that idea that that it's a necessary part of deconstruction for me to at least mentally set marriage, the whole idea of the nuclear family, just set that on a shelf for a second. I don't have to, like I divorced my wife and, and I, you know, um, 
um, wasn't there for my kids and I fell apart and I went through quite a few years of, uh, you know, <laughs> um, horrible. I don't know. It was fine. I made it, you know, whatever. It's just life. <laughs> I, I, you know, I took a walk through some unpleasant territory and some, you know, and I mean, trauma responses and all that. And, but my re you know, yeah, I was dealing with my dad in my head and he's dead and dealing with all these stories and these memories and these flashbacks. And my real world was falling apart. You know, I lost houses. I tried crack for a while. Uh, I tried cocaine for a while. Ah, and I'm not advising any of that. I'm just, you know, it's, it's, it was, it was just, it was quite a time. So when, and, and I, you know, so I, I, so I did all that physically, but I, but I'm trying what I'm trying to bring this back to the idea of setting aside the nuclear family. There's something really toxic about convincing two young people to not masturbate and not have sex and just get married and promise to beat, you know, only with each other for the, for the rest of their lives until they die, because that's what God wants. And I remember getting married and feeling this way and think, and I would say like, you know, oh man, you know, a real man, you know, never, you know, wants any other woman. You, that's how, you know, you found the right one and we're getting married. And I, you know, I, I did the decorations for the church for the wedding. I was so exciting, excited. And then six months later, six months into the wet, the marriage, I noticed that a woman was at church was like, just, I just felt attracted to her. We we're standing there talking. And afterwards I got home and I thought again of how attractive she was. And I felt so dirty and guilty and ashamed. Like what's wrong with me that I can't just do this right. You know? And, and that shame just plunged me into what I would call, you know, the parts of my life and behavior and struggle that were sexual, could be classified as sexual addiction, you know, like compulsively <clears throat> thinking about the stuff that I'm not supposed to do and how bad I am. And it's part of the reason I became, or part of my becoming an atheist process was deciding I'm not going to worry about what God thinks about this shit anymore. I'm just going to do whatever I want. And I have found that as soon as I did that, I no longer had the same struggle that I had had before. There was something about the wrong thing, you know, having it be so wrong in my religion that sort of drove me, compelled me, you know. I think it's the same phenomenon. So if, if, if this couple, they've never done anything with each other, we're going to put them alone together in a house, whatever house that they can afford to work for or borrow money to get. Like we're not even going to like set them up with anything there. There's some diapers. Maybe if you, if you're poor enough and you're on the right program and you can jump through all the hoops while your car's failing and you know, and you're, and if you're in that situation in life, 
you know, you might have some dysfunctional relationships. Maybe that baby daddy is not just spending all his time at work and turning over all the money to cover the expenses. You know, maybe he's coming around and scaring everybody and demanding shit. And, and then on top, you know, and then add to that, we turn on the TV and we've got Republican men on TV acting like it's the man's right to demand shit. And like, like silence, you know, they, they demand silence or they, Try to si- like try to silence, you know. Yeah, I hear the plane again. <laughs> I don't normally hear them. Do you feel like nuclear family is a hard thing for us to all dismantle? Yes. Yes. Oh my God! How, how do could you, we? How do you think how it's gonna we? come undone, or do you think it's going to come undone? Like I mean, you, I, said, you said how I get that. Sorry. I just want to clarify mm, how, how, uh, yeah, well, we're moving right ahead to undoing it. I mean, I guess we don't need to hammer the idea in. I mean, anybody can imagine, I suppose what we're saying. Um, but the ideas for how it will come up. Well, I see it coming undone in um, more and more people who are becoming more and more vocal about, about, feeling like oh you know what that's not a good fit for me i am gonna do this different thing i'm going to love more than one person or i'm going to have sex with more than one person or i'm we're you know and generally you know now me i was always a super religious pious um part-time secret dirty cheater that was my sexual style and and that's that's kind of what I grew up, you know, with. Like um, everybody in my family was very wanted was very prudish about talking about it. Um, and but then in my private little nuclear family world with my dad, when it was just me and him, you know, he'd say, "Ah, fuck all that shit. Let me tell you how it really is." And he would tell me these bizarre, sick, twisted, the kind of stories that a meth head, ex-con, serial killer would tell about sex, you know? Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and so like, but you know, so I grew up in my teen years, the women in the house were, um, heroin addicted prostitutes. Those were my, those were my mother figures. Those were my models for, you know, um, <laughs> what I was later going to think was, you know, the best possible thing ever and the worst possible thing ever and the naughtiest thing, you know, all of that, it's charged. Right. Um, and, and so of course I tried to get married and, and then, you know, like I'm, I'm still finding myself attracted. And then as, and then as soon as like an op, a, a situation appears where like, Oh, this is like a big, really shouldn't, but you know, you, <clears throat> and I ended up having um, an affair uh, year, you know, years later when we came to North Carolina and I, I, anyway, I struggled with this, you know, horribly for years. And I, so you asked the question of the dismantling. Mm-hmm. I think like how it's so ingrained, you know, like who we, who we are, how we are. And, and sometimes it, it seems totally, you know, it's not that our, our gender and sexuality does not follow the, um, 
um, the carefully worded instructions of our parents, but there's a way in which um, they are the model, you know, it's more is caught than taught. Like we are, we have a system, whether or not we've written down the rules or whether or not we've written them down accurately, whether or not we're actually describing what we're doing, you know, like if you asked antelope to produce a paper on how they run from, from a a cheetah, they, they wouldn't be able to type it um, or come up with the words, but they, they have a system, a system of, of, communicating with each other and responding to each other it's just so we have those same systems in place and then we have all these words to enforce it you know like oh god made one man one woman and then you have your family and it's all the positive happy dreaming stuff and we make this big spectacle of weddings you know and i like i like the tribal culture idea better and i want to contrast that for like how i think it gets fixed um, or no, why it's so hard. That's, that was the question I wanted to answer. <laughs> Can I just pick and choose? Which yeah. question? Um, I want to answer why, why is it uh, hard for us to break out of, of this nuclear family is the best ingrained idea. Um, and, and what picture do I want to paint? So you're a kid, right? I'm a kid. And when I was a kid, like I'm an extreme case, but I think this is common. My, we, I lived with my mom and dad. And as long as everything was okay with them, then there would be food for me. But whether or not there was food or shelter or a peaceful place to live all hung in the balance on whether or not they were emotionally getting along. Their, their, how they felt about each other. It wasn't even, oh, well, we have our duties, you know, and, and to raise a child and all that. You know, that wasn't the priority. I knew that that if they didn't love each other and they didn't love me and they weren't here, then then the shit was going to hit the fan. And and it so often did. And um, so and then he killed her. So I'm a little kid and and I'm learning how I'm going to view love, how I'm going to view myself in relation to other people. And and I'm learning that if I that I can't love enough, I think that's what I learned is that I maybe am not good enough and can't love anyone enough to say, to have them choose me that they, even if it's destruction and death, they're going to choose death and they're going to choose to end the relationship. They're going to choose to leave. They're going to choose another path. They're going to choose to, or they're going to choose to be destructive to me because I can't love them enough. Like that's like the vow or the judgment in my head. And I made these vows. I'm just going to love enough. Right. And I just ran on that, but it's maladaptive in the real world. You know, (laughs) it's really maladaptive, you know? Uh, So anyway, so I think that when you're a kid and you grow up in a, in a home where it's a mom and a dad and them, if they get divorced or they lose the house. None of the neighbors are going to come over and help with the bills and make sure your lunch still gets made. You're fucked if that relationship breaks up. And so we become adults and we've got to find the person, but it better not be the, the wrong person because all of our childhood survival fears, and we all have them, all of our childhood survival fears are triggered 
by this new romantic relationship and whether or not we can trust that person, whether or not they're the right one for us. And, and, you know, so we're caught in this and then we try to reproduce what went wrong and we'll even, you know, self-destructively pick the person that's going to challenge our triggers and, you know, and, and people will say, well, that's so you can heal. You know, I'm like, well, what are we fucking healing from? And I can't help but feel like if I had grown up in a tribe of 20 or 30 people and we all shared property and tools and vehicles and the kids, everybody looked after the kids. If my dad was in our tent doing meth and wanting to beat me it would have been easier for, for someone to take the pressure off of all that and say, whoa, 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 what the fuck? Stop. And I would have been, I would have been under the protection of the tribe. And then I never would have grown up feeling scared about my dad's romantic relationships and whether or not they're working. That would never be a fear. And so when I got older, if I wanted to have romantic relationships and I would, they wouldn't be instilled with just childhood survival fears. And then it could just, then sex and love could just be a fun thing that we celebrate. Instead, it's this fucking torture chamber hell. It's this prison, you know? And how do you know that you want to be with someone until you die? You know, I've, I've, I, I knew a Southern Baptist uh, minister years ago. And when he, in his early 50s, he decided um, that he was gay. And he left his wife and his four kids in his pastorship at the church. And I used to have coffee with him and he was kind of like a, um, a leather clad, but kind of fancy, very flamboyant type gay person. And he was super fun. We had great talks, but he's, he'd been a Southern Baptist minister for 30 years. So, you know, like we, we could, we could break down some religion talks. It was fun. Anyway, I'm just saying, I don't know what's coming next. I don't know. Me either. Yeah. But yes, yes. Hmm. I told Sammy years, you know, when we first met, we were talking about all these kind of relationship dynamics and how the, how the world is set up. And I told her, um, a few years back that I, you know, I, I just don't want to support the, the, um, top down enforced paradigm of what society has to be by, you know, buying into this monogamy thing. I would be happy to get married if we found 10 other people that wanted to do a 12 way marriage and fight the GOP. Um, and, and then we all file our taxes together. And, um, and when, when they ask on the talk shows, well, who has sex with whom, you know, I can just say, I, maybe that's none of your fucking business, you know? <laughs> you know what? Cause maybe it's nobody's business who you have. Yeah. Yeah. And if I was married to 11 people and I said, you know what, I don't want to fuck any of you, but I'm kind of dirty and want to go do something else, then they could know what I was about, you know, (laughs) but uh, sex, sex wouldn't have to be the thing that had to work in order for us to all relate together as adults and support each other in, in a tribe or a family. You know, I think that's the problem with the nuclear family. It all hangs on that man and woman getting along in the bedroom in a society where we condemn everything about the bedroom. That's why it feels like a setup. The church is obsessed with sexual sins and and they create this 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 whole environment of shame. And you can tell it's wrong because priests are raping little boys and, and 
we're not fixing that or addressing it. And they're, you know, deciding whether or not to prosecute their own priests for raping little boys. And so they can't have it right. (laughs) They can't be right. (laughs) And at the same time, we're putting kids in these situations, you know, these, this nuclear family enforce this nuclear family forced pregnancy. Um, they're, they were, yeah. Anyway, we talked about the fucking pro-lifers. Um, yeah. Yeah. If if you're listening and you're a pro-lifer, I just want to say like, Hey man, that's, that's cool. Be pro-life on your own time. And you know, the other rule that you need to remember in addition to protecting life is don't be a douchebag and it's none of your business what other people do. Don't be a douchebag. Now, I just want to take a quick pause because I need coffee. I hear you. Maybe I'll get one, too. I'm going to put out my cigarette. I'm sorry. I just rambled on. I hope that's... No, that's not rambling. This is great for the episode. It's wrapping up religion, relationships, sex. We're touching back to stories we talked about earlier. It's beautiful. I forgot all about the podcast. Yeah, that's what I want. I want this to just become a natural thing where we're like, you know so busy with all of our stuff but then you know when our when our assistants come and get us we meet up in the hallway we got our coffee we're looking great and and everybody else is taking care of the editing and you know and we're just doing the sam and ally show we're gonna get there someday i listen to these other podcasts (coughs) it's so interesting because i watched all these other ones become what they are yeah like i can totally see us doing that right now because we're becoming what they are. Yeah. I hear you. I remember listening. I was listening to my favorite murder. Um, some yeah. people who listen might listen to that. And if any of you listen, you'll know when Karen and Georgia, they first started. It was just like this. Wow. Yeah, I've never listened to podcasts before. They're so good. <laughs> That's great to hear. I think we're, you know, more and more getting into um, a groove. I feel more in, in the groove, just like relaxed about it, you know. Uh, but but then again, I can ramble and forget about the fact that we're doing a podcast. <laughs> um, That's what makes us so good. I think people like that. Yeah. Well, so this is this is this is potentially our last episode of the season. I say potentially because um, just secret, just this is the last one. But I'm kind of thinking it's possible that when I'm up in New York, we'll do some kind of fun live together or some kind of podcast together, and uh, and it might be a bonus episode that, that you know if we release it. Maybe I, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't. He's only make... saying maybe because there's so much that's going to be going on. So we don't want to promise, but we're going to try. Yeah. Also, I'm. I'd be. You know, I'm promising a lot. You know, for Allie, that's a lot of work for Allie. And, no. Uh, and... <laughs> Allie wants that work. That's good All stuff. Right. All right. Well, anyway, I I want to over under promise and over deliver, but, um, <laughs> but we're go. probably going to do some in-person filming. I know we're going to do that yeah. and that'll come along either, you know, right away or next season after we take a little break. And I don't know how long the break is. We haven't figured that out yet. No. Um, just a little bit though, so that yeah. we can do some more promoting We're we're going to be hiring some staff as we've mentioned. That's and, amazing. Um, 
we're gonna we're we're moving onward and upward and we can't thank you guys enough i want to take this moment to remind everyone if you have not rated this podcast yet wherever you're listening to this please do so you doing that helps our podcast grow it shows our podcast on the homepage so other listeners can hear and that we can spread this message more um it's really hard to get your podcast recognized on these platforms if people don't rate so just wanted to take this moment yes please had the time now you're back to us hello (laughs) yes yes please yes please (laughs) that would be great oh and and that's the the freest way freest free 99 to support us Rate this yes. podcast five stars. Just a little, or, just know, a little it, bit of your time. You, you let us waste so much of it already. Um, <laughs> but it, it does take a little focus. It sometimes it's hard to fill fill those things out and uh, and finish them. But it, it really does help us. And um, you don't and even the more, have to write a comment. Yeah, if we can get boosted, the more exposure we get, the more like Ali said, we're going to hire somebody. Well, we're we're hiring an unpaid unpaid intern. So. Right, right now, this podcast is running on inspiration, and if we can get you to uh, feeling inspired enough to want to inspire other people to tune in and listen, that would really help us to get to the point where we could afford to, you know, keep doing it perpetually. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not that you know we can't, but it would be you know great to advance yeah. with this. And I, I like that we're we're improving, and I want us to be able. We're video now. How, yes, how did the last video work? It took like six days to upload. It's still not uploaded, but that's okay. Because I'm waiting. Fuck. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Let me go check on that now while we talk. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yes. Well, anyway. I, just, um, I had to end up canceling that first one out because it was at like 10% after three days. And I was like, this is just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's like Xbox speed. Yeah, anyway, let me start. I own an Xbox. I love to play my my GTA Five on there. That's my my favorite gun, my favorite game. Um, besides Minecraft, maybe. So we're, we're trying to upload that video again because I just had to quit the other day. I couldn't do it anymore. Oh, I'm so sorry. We're gonna figure this out. Um, maybe maybe we need to pay for Descript. Um, and I need this, to look into that. I don't yeah. think Descript is the issue. I think no. It's a YouTube thing because oh, loading to YouTube is our problem. Yeah, because I've got the file. I've got it's edited. It's done. I just can't. It's not taking it. It's an MP4 file, which is video. Yeah. Anyone who may have some expertise, I've been trying to reach out to my university's communication and media department, and nobody's responding to me. So, if any of you have help that you can offer, we would so appreciate it because it's just, I, I'm not a media person and I'm trying to learn and it's not, it's edited well. It's just not uploading. <laughs> <laughs> We're having, yes, some serious technical difficulties. So that's, I need there's help our. In the export process, people. Help exporting to YouTube. Yes, please. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully, yeah, we can get that. I, you know, I believe in it. I invite everyone to come along on this journey. Uh, Allie and I have have sworn off material wealth. I think we're at $16 right now for our, our total income for this podcast from Anchor, which is great. Thank you, Anchor, for paying for those, those listens. <laughs> yep. So 
as I said, we're running on inspiration, but I still feel inspired. And we, and in, you know, I, I talked to a friend of mine here recently, you know, cause my friends have recent, reached out and, and this particular friend was like, man, I don't know about, you know, doing this podcast with this lady. What are you doing? Like you're sharing your spotlight and you should own all of that. And I was like, what? No, I don't want to like try to do a one man show. I want to ride on the wave of all of us together. I want to reach out to people's hands and, you know, like, so like anyway. Okay. But they're obviously not listening to the podcast because this is your story. Like what? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's a mentality shift. Like, uh, it's a, it's a different perspective, you know, to, to think of the two, it's not two sides of the same coin. It's, um, we either think we either are individuals, rugged individuals, and everyone else is our enemy, or we are a cooperative species. And that's how we, that's how we rise, you know, together stronger together you know i not a fan of the democratic party but i fully believe in their slogans stronger together we are stronger together now let's go back to a couple topics let's okay some yes production. let's talk about let's oh let's, yeah let's wrap up with some hard topics we've just talked about we we talked about a lot of death this season Yes. Yes. I think we've, um, we've covered like all the way to Shirley Chisholm. We've, we've wandered in and out of, um, my, my story a little bit, but also we've shared, Sammy says to share the interesting parts first. And so we've gotten, you know, my, my mom's murder, Sandy's murder, Patty in a stump. horrible events and and these are the defining horrible events from my memories right and so in the future we'll be able to unpack the scene we'll be able to come back and to um to understand you know the the day-to-day on it and and i believe that when we circle back around and we mention sandy and we mention my mom the more we go through the story the um the less sting it's going to have so there's there's shock and and a you know to there's a shock value to all these stories um and i i appreciate everybody for just hanging in there and listening you know like i realize this is heavy stuff and i i hope that um you know they tell me my tone helps and i i think yours does we try to approach it um, in a certain kind of way. And this is just who we are. It's how I talk. I think this is how you talk too. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so we lead with our hearts here uh, with you, our listeners, and, um, and and we try with each other, which is maybe not always good. But um, <laughs> anyway, here we are getting this podcast done. But it's been a lot of heavy topics. And I, um, you know, this is all stuff I've been processing a long time. My dad died in 2006 and I was kind of not talking about any of this back then. I wasn't thinking about any of this back then. I was telling myself that I wasn't abused, that it was kind of rough, but it wasn't abuse. It wasn't, you know, 
too much and that maybe kids need, you know, and not maybe, I mean, I was an advocate for, oh no, you got to punish kids, you know, because the Bible says they're born evil and people at church would kind of raise their eyebrows. You know, I understand why they say not all Christians because they don't all think that, but it's taught there and it's taught in their word of God. And, um, and that, so that I was just kind of running blind, like, oh yeah, you know, uh, nothing happened to me and people should just suck it up and depression isn't real and people are just weak. That was me. Um, (laughs) but right in the time where we invaded Iraq and I was looking at pictures of blown apart kids on the internet, which you could do with Iraq. That wasn't a thing with Vietnam, but with Iraq, you could just look and I was looking and I was changing my politics really fast. And I, I, I became just forever anti-war and then my dad died and I left the church and I broke down. (laughs) It was a rough time. Anyway, that's all, but I want, I want to put a context to that, that that's all like, you know, early two thousands, mid two thousands. And here we are and it's 2022 and um, I want to do something with this. I, I wanted to write. I wanted to write the story. And it was too hard to write the story. Writing was not working for me. One of my problems was I never saw a way to end the story. You know, I never saw a way. I couldn't look at my life and say, well, what's the good news? What's the third act of your dad murders your mom? fucks you in the ass and then murders his girlfriend in front of you and, and tries to implicate you in it and then almost kills you. And then you make it out. That's, that's it is like, I make it out. That's the good news at the end of the book. And that always felt so lame, so unsatisfactory. What could the, I couldn't imagine an ending, but now, now that I'm telling the book, speaking the book, telling the stories, I'm starting to get this idea, and I'm not saying I figured it out, but I'm starting to get this idea that the good news of the, at the end of the story is the story we're telling now. It's me learning how to cooperate with other people and to get help from other people and for us to work together and to support each other and to create the kinds of communities that protect kids from getting trapped in these kinds of situations. And I'm, I'm sorry if, you know, some, some philosophical opposition to monogamy and the nuclear family as, as sacrosanct is offensive, but I do hold those views. I'm not saying we we're going to come break up your family. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, um, I do believe in, in thinking about other options, you know, and anyway, um, there's lots of problems for us to solve. And I, and I want to be a part of solving problems for people. I couldn't save Sandy. I didn't. I didn't save Patty. And I feel guilty for not saving my mom. Hell, I feel guilty for not saving my dad enough. <laughs> so should I make a pr- life purpose out of, out of the things I feel guilty about? Maybe. It makes me feel better. You know, and I, feel, I see you smiling sometimes. When I'm, you know, Allie, you know, when I'm not making you cry and, um, and I, and I see people online, you know, they, they're, when you, when they write to me on TikTok, um, 
or um, Facebook or Instagram, um, I can, you know, they're telling me that, that this whole thing is, is touching their heart and helping them be brave. We've had, I've had a couple of um, women in, who were in abusive relationships on TikTok uh, write and tell me that <clears throat> they finally got up the courage listening to all my videos to change their situation and, and get out of there. And I'm like, so that's so amazing to me because I felt like a failure because I couldn't save my one mom when I was five. But here I am at 50 and all I do is just be brave enough to tell the stories and, and multiple people who knows how many people are finding the strength to say, you know what? I deserve better than this. I'm going to walk away from this, even if it's hard. And they're, you know, and it's scary and it is hard, but it's so brave and inspiring. It's so amazing. And I want to be a part of that. I want to put my shoulder into that burden and push for awareness and, and no condemnation. Just like Jesus says in the verses after John three sixteen. I love that callback. Wow, we're so good at this. Right. I, mean, oh this. I didn't do anything. For this. <laughs> that was nice. I felt like I was doing it too soon, but it just came to me. That was good. No, this is good. I mean, we do have like an hour episode now. So yeah. So so we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk more. But that that was kind of poignant. It would be a great way to, you know, bring it all together. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, so that makes me, oh no, go on. No, it's okay. I just was going to say, what do you want to, what do you want to say to everybody? Well, I don't know. Uh, What I was going to say is um, that makes me want to ask Allie, what, what do we want to say to people? Like, like if, if we're all, you know, if I'm trying to, you know, if we're partnering to try to get a message out, you know, because I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I am a material girl. And if I can make some money off this podcast and not have to um, fix people's plumbing ever again, I am all for that. If Allie can just do this as her job and love it, I'm all for that. However, um, you know, we're always, we're always focusing on the message. The message is the thing that's important, but the, you know, so we have, what is the message? I, I, I feel like we're kind of crafting it as we go along. Uh, maybe we all are. And I like to kind of, I like the intersectionality idea. You keep coming back to intersectionality and helping us to further our understanding of, of what that means and how we all kind of have a you know different levels of connection and and shared experience. Um, and and understanding those those things. I mean, that's understanding how we're alike, which we need. We need so bad as a species. Because we're all on one little rock floating out in the middle of empty space. <laughs> we really, we really are. I, I hope that we got to go back and put some music in right there, you know? Oh, I will. You know I do. <laughs> oh, oh, my dear friend, Mike. Yeah. Who I hope is, is listening to this episode. He's been listening to the podcast, um, but he, uh, he expressed anger. Um, uh, at, and I, at first I was like, oh no, oh no, we made you, made you angry with the podcast. Um, but, um, 
you know, he was, he was, he was being, he was teasing. Um, he wanted to say, he said it as a way of expressing just how on point it was. He said, there's a, there was some sad story and whatever Ali, whatever music Ali picked to put in there, he's like, just tell her I hate her <laughs> because you hit, you know, it really, you really got it, you know? And I, and I said, oh man, we can totally change it. He's like, no, no, dude, no, I'm just saying so fucking powerful anyway so you, yeah you're doing you're doing great with this and, and thank Aww, you for thank you. I love having this this um, this venue and this opportunity to say these things and and I take it I take it seriously uh, but I, I don't um, this is all unscripted and and it's it's sort of um, we're framing it on a on an, uh, a non-written outline that is kind of the shared vision that Allie and I have. And, and Allie helps keep bringing me back to the things we've talked about. And then, you know, we just, we just roll with it. I, I love this, this format. And I feel like we get a lot of things said. I get to say some things that, um, that I wouldn't have sitting down in front of a piece of paper by myself. And then I have all the listeners and, and the instant feedback. And it means so much. I'm like, think of, think of me and Allie, like, um, like your favorite eccentric movie star. Um, it kills us to have to wait for the release and we'd so much rather be on Broadway and get the applause right now so that we, our fragile self egos can keep going and being creative. So that's, we need that. We need to hear from you. We need your love. Keep us going. Keep inspiring us. Um, um what color heart do you want to pick today? That was cute last time. We did that. Oh, oh, came back I, how, how about like, um, what, what's the color of inspiration? Uh, <laughs> yellow maybe well we already did yellow did okay. we purple orange orange, orange. it says apparently orange. all colors are so let's just pick one orange i love orange all right so orange, orange heart orange hearts for inspiration you will give us one inspiration if you just send one orange heart in the comments and those really add up I, I can get by on two a day. <laughs> so I, I just want to end this with wrapping up with your intersectionality um, yeah. comment. I love that. I, that is our message. It's remember the intersections and ditch the toxicity. That's it. Yeah. Remember the intersections and ditch the toxicity. You have to right. remember everyone's intersections because that plays into their experience and sympathy and empathy and then ditching the toxicity that's just mental emotional health ditch it you it's not always masculine yes we have more toxic masculinity but i'm saying toxicity for everybody you know yeah yeah true to this if you're looking for a five word slogan there you go i like it i All like right. it get rid of the toxicity yeah man yeah man just bring it out in the light you know even the bible even says to disinfect things in sunlight so like we turn on the street light we come into the day we see where we cross paths you know like i'm a man i'm a white man i'm a cis heteronormative white man i mean i got to admit sometimes i'm attracted to brad pitt but you know so maybe i'm a little you know fluid but um, but from that perspective, what's my intersectionality? Well, I, I share the intersection with anybody who's been abused. 
anybody who's been controlled by a narcissist, anybody who has struggled to learn how to say no as an adult, anybody who's struggled to understand their own people pleasing and their own self-destruction, anyone who has struggled with drugs or sexual addiction or love addiction or self-hatred, anyone with PTSD, um, and that starts crossing lines. I cross lines with with all genders and sexualities and 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 colors and communities and all we all share those same kinds of intersections and you know growing up living in a society that is under the coercive control of Christian ideology and and they say the quiet part out loud now uh, some of them and we all live in that and I'm I'm also at the intersection of, of people who have, who have left it, you know, and, and a lot of, I love the, the creators who have been in ministry. Um, and I, and, you know, if you go on deconstruction, TikTok, um, the, the people who are, are really doing it well, I think are the folks, um, I enjoy, I've gotten, like, I'm not a Mormon. I was never a Mormon. But there's a lot of folks who were Mormon and who are breaking free of that and learning what it's like to be alive in the world outside of the Mormon church. And, um, and I love their videos. They're really well made. I went to Cub Scouts when I was a kid with, with there, there were some Mormon kids at my church or my school and they invited me to their Cub Scout troop. And I was the only non-Mormon there. Um, and, um, and they were just lovely, really nice people. I really enjoyed that time in my life, you know, crazy, crazy religious ideas and, and horrible stuff that the, the church does and, and puts on people. I didn't know back then in the seventies, you know, for instance, that the Mormon church still, I'm going on the Mormon church. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Anyway, all the topics I want to talk about everything with you, Allie. And I want to talk about everything with you, dear addict listeners. And, um, and there's just no time left in this season. And so we, we packed in as much as we could. <laughs> and we'll be back. We're coming back. We will be back. It won't be long either. I don't think we're going to be gone for months. We'll be back. No, I feel like a few, a few weeks off or a month off or something would from, from posting gives us the, the time to revamp, you know. That's, that's kind of what we're anticipating, you know? Um, so, you know, go back and listen if you haven't. Um, and, um, there's, there's other stuff for you to look at, uh, on our, on our podcast website, catch up, bring in your friends, tell them, tell them about us. And we're coming back for season two and we're going to be bigger and better and, um, and just more inspirational, more inspirational, even more raising the bar. Hey. Yes. Love you, mean it. Oh, I love you and I mean it too, Allie. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Frankly Earnest. You can now support the podcast by visiting anchor.fm slash
frankly-earnest slash support. Be sure to visit our Instagram for daily updates and posts for our links at Frankly Earnest Podcast. You don't want to miss out on Sam's TikTok at The Velvet Brick. See you next week.